Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special episode of Sports Legends of the Carolinas. I'm your host, Scott Fowler, sports columnist for the Charlotte Observer. This episode is unusual, as it's our very first two-part interview for our podcast. We interviewed Bob McKillop before his retirement on May 31st, 2022, and there turned out to be a big hole in that conversation. That suddenly became apparent on June 17th, 2022, 17 days later. That's when Coach McKillop surprised the public by retiring from his head coaching job at Davidson after 33 years and 634 victories. His son, Matt McKillop, was announced that day as his replacement. Family in Davidson became synonymous and um, pretty tough to leave family. You know, the grass might be greener elsewhere, uh, but there's crabgrass everywhere. Bob McKillop said that day in June he'd do another interview with us for this podcast to fill in that hole. And so that's what you're getting right now in this exclusive subscriber-only conversation on Apple Podcasts, one in which McKillop opens up more about what led him to retire than ever before. And I know I want to watch the game. Will I sit in the arena and watch it? Will I sit in one of these rooms here and watch it on closed-circuit TV? I I don't know. I I would get Matt's approval about that. And we have been very clear and very open about uh, uh, the need for him to have space and have freedom and not have the shadow of Bob McKillop overlooking what he's doing. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening and consider a digital subscription to the Charlotte Observer. We welcome Bob McKillop again to Sports Legends of the Carolinas. Coach, welcome again to the show. Delighted to be with you, Scott. Thank you. Uh, so we do have a lot to catch up on. So why don't you just sort of start us from the beginning as to why you made your decision when you did? If I proclaim that uh, we were a program constantly in the quest for excellence, uh, I've, I've got to live that message. And uh, as we've gone through these last couple of years, um, I, I saw the evolution of Matt being uh, a bit more advanced than me, uh, being able to get out on a court, and I could not do that as much as I love to, uh, being more in tune to the changes in the culture of college basketball, uh, being able to relate a little bit better to the changes in the culture of the contemporary basketball student-athlete. So he checked all of those boxes that I was struggling to check and I probably could have weathered another year or two or three, uh, but it wouldn't have been right. It wouldn't have been right for Davidson College basketball and the quest for excellence that I always aspired for us to have, uh, nor would it have been right for Matt to so patiently turn down other opportunities and uh, decided to stay here. So I, I think from the standpoint of do what is the best thing for Davidson, it was the best thing for Davidson College. No one else probably would have realized that, I would think. Is this sort of an internal dialogue you were having with yourself? It was an internal dialogue that uh, uh, has transpired in uh, momentary uh, experiences uh, over these past couple of years. Uh, I'd come home, and of course, you know, I, wo- I walk home, I live across the street from the campus, and uh, Kathy would, as she always does, house practice, and uh, I would say I was miserable. And she would say, is it time to retire? 
And, you know, that thought just jumped into your mind. And this has been a, a two, three, four-year experience. Next day, we'd go out to practice, and it'd be sensational and uplifting and inspirational. And she'd come, I'd come home and the same question, and no, it was a great practice. And mm-hmm. uh, so you, you wrestle with those highs and those lows, but that's the nature of this profession, the wins, the losses, the joys, the sorrows. They come, they go, they disappear. And the, the staying power that a coach must have to maintain a sense of sanity and a, a sense of consistency throughout the process is one that uh, you, you have to carry with you. And, and I saw that slipping away. Hmm. And so uh, I have four children of my own. I know my relationship with each of them changes every year. Uh, with Matt, you're in such a unique position. We talked in the first interview about how you had coached him and that had changed some things for you. But as a coach, uh, as he's steadily become a more of a prominent coach and a prominent voice, I guess, how is that? You, you, you had him for 14 years, right, as a coach? How has that uh, relationship changed? My, my uh, hope for every assistant coach I have is to prepare them uh, for their journey. And in most cases, it's to be a head coach. And I give them every responsibility to uh, – make certain that they're ready when the time comes. And I found myself giving Matt more and more responsibilities. And the more responsibilities I gave to him, the better he handled it. And there were some intimate aspects of this particular position that I shared with him that I never ever shared before because of our relationship as father and son. And I saw the way he... Uh, he embraced it. He grasped it. He didn't run from it. He didn't uh, shy away from it. And it was convincing to me that he, he was a guy that was going to do terrific in this opportunity if it was presented to him. When did you finally make the decision and what finally prompted it? A year ago in April, I discussed it with Chris Clooney. I discussed it with Matt. I discussed it with Carol Quillen. And the message was from the leadership here on our campus, uh, go through the years, see, see how you feel. Don't make a knee-jerk decision in the aftermath of a loss in the NIT. And uh, I've always been cautioned not to do that. And I've always been cautious with myself not to do that. Uh, I, I recall how many times I've, in my mind I've said no more <laughs> after a loss. I, I found myself, oh, I can't do this anymore. And then midnight at strike and a new day is upon us and the energy is restored. Um, but this was a time back in April, I had given it a couple of weeks at the end of the season. We had lost in the NIT to North Carolina State. And, and I, I met with Chris and I met with Carol and I said, uh, I'm just not certain that I'm the best one to continue. And uh, the, the message they gave to me was, uh, well, uh, you, you can stay here as long as you want and give it another year, look at it, see what you feel like at the end of next year. And I shared that experience with Matt, that conversation with Matt, and told him I was going to put some more stuff on his plate that year, that this past year, and I did. And uh, I found that as I put more things on his plate, and an interesting, I think this is something that, it's not just coaching, but it's life. When you start thinking about an end, you start approaching an end. And uh, it was really the first time that I thought seriously about an end. And uh, it maybe sped up the process of approaching that end. 
So those people who might be listening uh, for the, the sake of their futures uh, and their journeys, uh, as they think about retirement, you'll, you'll, you'll get that understanding that uh, you think about it, you become closer to it. Mm-hmm. It starts drawing closer in your mind, probably. You start realizing it is a possibility. Correct. And we're, whereas uh, I think we as competitors, we as coaches, we think we're invincible and uh, we think we could uh, be the last guy standing. And uh, human experience tells us that's not the case. So when you uh, lost, Davidson lost in the NCAA tournament after going great season, 27-7 and seven, I think was your final record this year. Uh, lost a thriller in the NCAA tournament. Did you know at that time you were walking off the court for the last time? I certainly did. I, I had, I guess, made that decision maybe January or February that uh, this was it. Mm-hmm. And here we were in the midst of a tremendous season and filled with joy and, and filled with young men who were a joy to coach. I, I relished going into the gym each day to work with them. I embrace the experience of the locker room pregame and postgame, win or lose, road trips. Uh, How lucky was I to have that experience as the final one? So you knew all the way. So so as you knew, internally, did you think to yourself, this is the last time I go to X and this is the last, that's the last time I'll be at Y, conference tournaments, uh, regular season, home finales, all that stuff. I have a tremendous sense of discipline. And the discipline that I uh, brainwashed myself about was mm-hmm. don't think about this relative to me in the last time. Think about this relative to what's the next step for our team, our program. And that occupied my waking hours and every moment. Uh, so uh, I, I did not want this to be focused on my last time. Which is one reason why not to announce it, I guess. Correct. Right. So you, you did the anti-Mike Krzyzewski here, I think. Well, I, I, uh, there are a lot of circumstances that uh, I, I was not uh, having to deal with that Mike at, at the level he was at and the circumstances that bringing John in, uh, entirely different than our situation. Uh, so, the um, When you made the decision. I assume that was an emotional one. Certainly at this press conference, you choked up and Matt choked up and it was a very emotional day. I'm stepping down as the basketball coach. And uh, it was, it's, everything happens for a reason. Did you see Steph after the game last night? He was crying, crying, tears. I thought that was a message to me. That it's okay to cry today. Tears show that your heart can be touched. And I think you know how my heart has been touched by Davidson. So I'll be stepping away. Has it been wrenching to you, or have you felt more of a sense of relief after it's all been done? Uh, Sometimes I I have a day in which the reality doesn't set in. It's that I'm still coaching. And, And to a degree... We are all coaches in whatever capacity our lives point us. Coach as a husband, uh, coach as a father, coach as a sibling, uh, coach in the community. And uh, I never will take that hat off. And I 
am very fortunate to understand that concept about human life. And then there are days in which uh, I feel relieved. Um, for example, I just came back from doing a clinic in Hungary. Uh, what a wonderful experience those trips have been for me over my entire career. And, and I would feverishly occupy myself in that eight-hour flight writing notes in preparation for the clinic, which I did, but then analyzing practice when I get back, thinking about recruits, thinking about rosters, game plans, strategies. And the eight-hour flight back, I do the same thing. Well, these two eight-hour flights, I think I watched seven movies. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that before. Wow. So the reality of having... Free time is a new reality for me. And free time might be the wrong word because when I was preparing and note-taking, and I'm meticulous as can be with note-taking, I considered that free time. I considered that to be a joy. I know I've, I've sat at a desk in a hotel room at 7 a.m. in the morning, we're playing that night, and from 7 until 10, we have our shoot-around or breakfast. I'm writing notes for three hours and enjoying it. It's, uh -huh. it's like a... It's like an aphrodisiac for me. It's the most huh. extraordinary, uplifting experience. Uh, so I, I wonder that planning, that analyzing, that thought process, I'm, I'm not going to be involved in that as much as I once was. And what are you going to fill that with, you think? Where is all that free time going to you going to take up golf? What it was? What, <laughs> write a book, maybe? Uh, no. well, what are you going to do? Um, I, I, I feel like I'm a coach and uh, uh, in, in whatever capacity I can wear that hat. And I've spoken with uh, uh, the president, the new president of Davidson and, and Doug has asked me to come on board in this part-time capacity to uh, assist in the leadership opportunities here on campus. And, and I'll do that. Uh, I know I've got multiple clinics scheduled. I've got a couple of corporate speeches scheduled. Um, I, I don't know what I'll do. I, I don't know. And uh, maybe I'll watch more movies. <laughs> <laughs> of those seven, what was your favorite? Do you remember? Um, well, it, I, I love history. And it was the exchange of, uh, it was a, a movie in which they were exchanging prisoners on the bridge in Berlin. I think it was Gary Powers who was uh, shot down in a U-2 flight over uh, right. over yeah. Russia, and it was exchanged with a, I think, a, a Russian arms dealer. Mm. And interesting, it was it was kind of fascinating because there's talk about um, uh, the WNBA player, right, Brittany Gr Griner, yeah. Brittany Griner being exchanged for an arms dealer from Russia yeah, in, right. in a similar way. So I found it very fascinating. So let's fast forward a little bit to the season. It's November. Matt has. Uh, gone through the preseason and is starting to coach his first game. So where will you be watching that game from? I haven't spoken with Matt about that yet, and I will. And uh, I, I, I know that as they are practicing right now, I am making myself very distant. I, I don't want to be a shadow. And uh, I really want to respect the Matt's territory. So. I, I will get his approval for whatever it might be. And I know I want to watch the game. Will I sit in the arena and watch it? Will I sit in one of these rooms here and watch it on closed circuit TV? I, I don't know. I, I would get Matt's approval about that. And we have been very clear 
and very open about uh, uh, the need for him to have space and have freedom and not have the shadow of Bob McKillop uh, o- overlooking what he's doing. Makes total sense. So does that mean will you still keep your office here? Uh, no, I will not. Uh, <laughs> and, and Matt, <laughs> unfortunately, it's, it's, it's his and he's taking it over, but there's still a lot of my stuff in there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, 33 years, yeah, I've never moved before. <laughs> oh, gosh, so, yeah. Uh, so where do I put it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kathy's not wanting me to bring it home. Right, right. <laughs> and we do have an office at home, but uh, I don't think uh, having nine basketballs in a glass case is going to do too Thrill much her, justice yeah. to the furnishings in the house. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. So you've got to you've got to figure something out there. You uh, know, it's interesting how you, you you know all these questions. You never deal with them. Yeah. And and, and I've been fortunate to, as I've gone through this process of coaching to have so many dear friends. And you know, uh, I, I spoke with Dave Odom two or three days ago, and Dave Odom has just become one of uh, one of the nicest friends I've had. And he's telling me about his office, which is in a. Uh, separate from his house, it's almost like a garage that, uh, mm-hmm. and he goes out there every day. And he said, "You should think about that." And we have a garage that can be converted into an office, but I'm just not sure I'll I'll take that step. That's yeah, you're right. That is interesting. And 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 I know uh, different coaches have approached that in different ways. Dean Smith kept an office at UNC, correct. And Mike is going to keep his office. I'm not sure what Roy has done. And and is it also you know Mike has said he's not going to go to the games and and Roy has been at a lot of the games mm-hmm. so uh, traveling as well yeah I, mean, I don't yeah. know what what is the answer what is the I guess it's just but, whatever but you like all the circumstances yeah. are different mm-hmm. you know Roy yes it's his player uh, Mike yes it's his player me yes it's my player but he's also my son so I, I think there's that little caveat there that we have to have an understanding about. How good of a coach do you think Matt will be? Like, what is the high end for Davidson under Matt McKillop? Well, he's got, uh, first of all, he wears Davidson on his heart. There aren't too many kids in the 1990s, 2000, uh, growing up, want to be a Davidson basketball player. And he did. And he accomplished it. And he was a good one. And he was a great teammate. I mean, a, a great, great teammate and has been a great alumnus basketball player as well, connected to all those guys from his far back, back when he was the ball boy and going on road trips as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. So he's got the, the, the internal passion for Davidson. and So he's going to have both feet in the door. And that is absolutely critical for this job in particular. You can't be having one foot in the door of Davidson and looking for the next job. You've got to have both feet in the door. The second thing is he's got a a toughness about him. He's got an edge about him. Uh, He's not going to back down from a challenge, whether it's fighting for more money for his budget, higher rate salaries for his assistants, better opportunities for his players, a, a better schedule, that can showcase what we have, he's not going to back down from that. Nor is he going to back down with a player who is not towing the line and following the creed of what we're trying to accomplish here. Uh, so he's going to be very disciplined about that. He's much more of a uh, something that I learned, and it took me years and years to learn, tenderness and toughness. Uh, he, he's got a lot more tenderness about him than I had. I eventually learned about the need for tenderness to be balanced with your toughness. He's already got that. I would say that that's a part of the culture of today. 
Mm. And sometimes it can be judged as a weakness. In his case, I don't think it's a weakness. So I, I think his biggest challenge is going to be not having called timeouts before, uh, not having been in a huddle in a very intense final moment, uh, being in the locker room and not uh, uh, having spoken to a team that has just stunk the court up in the first half. Uh, I think he'll handle a post-game locker room extraordinarily well. But in the heat of battle, I think that's where he's got to get his experience. I have tried to coach him through that. Uh, I've tried to give him uh, understanding about it. Uh, and, and I think he's really, uh, he's really understood it. But understanding it and executing it are two different things. That's right. It's the difference between reading a book about basketball and playing basketball, right? Correct. You just precisely. He, um, you called him in this at this news conference in the very room we were sitting, um, a pain in the butt in a in a endearing way. Uh, you were speaking about the last few years, I think, and how much Matt had really gotten into your ear. On, I'm not sure what it was about. Was it about him wanting more analytics or him him wanting to run certain plays? And I just know. He would really stand up to you, right? And I, explain sort of why you yeah, phrased that, it that way. Yeah, that's the toughness aspect of him. The, you know, he was not afraid to challenge me. Here I am, uh, you know. Yeah, the legend, time, yeah. Well, not a legend, <laughs> but calling timeouts before he was even conceived. <laughs> right, <laughs> sure. Not in diapers, but conceived. <laughs> and 10 years of it, 15 years of it. And... Um, and here I had been here for so long, and he played for me here. And uh, as a player, he never challenged me. But as he emerged as an assistant coach and started to invest himself as uh, passionately as he did, uh, the confidence started to flow into his veins. And he began to express that confidence by challenging me. Uh, put this guy in, substitute this guy. Uh, don't speak to the players like that. Uh, realize it's not just what you say, it's the way you say it. Uh, so it was a, it was a cross-section of, yes, analytics, but it was a cross-section of X's and O's, and it was a cross-section of uh, compassion and coaching. And, and he covered all of those aspects, um, and, and sometimes uh, it got to be very unnerving for me because he was relentless about it. <laughs> and... Uh, that's why I said in an endearing way, he was a pain in the butt. But again, it showed me a really positive side of him. Oh, that's interesting. You said in our first conversation, I think, that um, you said something about, well, you, you, you've compared Davidson often, often to Camelot. And you said something like, well, when, you know, at some point King Arthur has to step aside. And I can't remember what King Arthur did in Camelot once he did step aside uh, or uh, or I, even I if he remember, did, I, don't I can't remember the end. I, I just remember Lancelot got the girl at the but end. But I know right? Lancelot's yeah. ready. He, that's a handsome guy, and uh, <laughs> uh, Sir Lancelot, he might be. <laughs> well, Bob, uh, it's wonderful to speak to you again. Thank you for catching us up. It's it's always a pleasure to uh, speak with you, and I look forward to seeing what your the next chapter of your life brings. Thank you, Scott. It's a joy to be with you. Thank you again for subscribing and supporting local journalism. Next. I'm Judy Rose, the former athletic director for the Charlotte 49ers, and I am going to be the next guest on Sports Legends of the Carolinas.
I'm Scott Fowler, and this is Sports Legends of the Carolinas. This show is produced by Jeff Siner and Kata Stevens, and the director of audio at McClatchy is Davin Coburn. For lots more content and to continue supporting this kind of work, please visit charlotteobserver.com slash sportslegends and consider a digital subscription. Connect with me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler or by email at sfowler at charlotteobserver.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please share with a friend. See you next week.